Well, good morning, guys. Yeah, it's good to be up, good to be back with you guys again. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of First Kings, chapter ten, and we're going to be talking about an, uh, an, an interesting uh, lady and and King Solomon. Uh, we I don't know her name. All I know is she is the queen of Sheba, and I've never preached about this before. Um, and so this should be interesting. So, you know what's cool about preaching sometimes, right? Is I get to sort of talk this out, and you guys have, you guys are just, well, you're held captive here, so you're just going to have to talk it out with me a little bit. Is that all right with you all this morning? <laughs> um, because I'll be honest with you, when I was studying this text, um, there, there's a couple different ways this can go. But I think I've landed on the way... I believe God has. I believe God's revealed the right way, but scholars are sort of split on this a little bit, um, just a little. Chapter ten. We're going to read verses one through thirteen. Everybody there, say Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, when the king or when the queen of Sheba heard about the famous Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. And she, so she came to Jerusalem with a very large uh, retune, with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Solomon answered all of her questions, and nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. And then she said to the king, it was a true report which I'd heard about in my own land, about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I had heard. How blessed are your men. How blessed are your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. She gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great amount of spices and precious stone. Never again did such abundance of spices come in as which the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon and the kings of Haram, which brought gold from Ophir, uh, brought in from Ophir a very great number of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of almug trees supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house and also lyres and harps for the singers, such as almug trees, have not come in again, nor have they been seen to this day. King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire, which she requested, besides what he gave her according to his royal bounty. And then she turned, and she went to her own land together with her servants. Pray with me. Father God, thank you this morning. God, we thank you so much that, Lord, we can get together in this house, Lord, with, with freedom and love, and God, your grace and mercy, your Holy Spirit meeting us here. Lord, you're already here, but Lord, I, I, Lord, I just invite you. I ask, Lord, that you would, Lord, you'd manifest yourself here in a special way right now. Father, I, I admit I need you right now, Lord. 
admit in front of everybody, God, I, I need your spirit. I need your words to guide me. Lord, open my mouth when it needs to be opened, shut it when it needs to be shut. Father, hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray too, God, for each and every person that's under the sound of my voice this morning, that, God, that their ears would be open to hear whatever it is you have to say to them. God, that your, your words would not just penetrate their ears, but, Lord, it would, it, would, it would hit their minds, and, Lord, it would confront their minds with the world, and, Lord, they, their minds would be changed, and, Lord, and change your hearts. Father, change our hearts this morning. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for being so good to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let me ask you guys a question real quick. If, if, right off the top of your head, if you were willing to travel for somewhere to eat, how far would you be willing to go? I mean, me, like, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've actually, I've driven all the way to Lexington one time because there's a restaurant that I just really wanted to try. About a two and a half hour trip for me, you know, 150 miles. Anybody else? Anybody else ever just drove real far just, to, just because they wanted to try a restaurant? I mean, my, my wife and I have talked about this a lot. Like, we would love to travel, but I think more, just as much as I would love to go see things, I would love to go eat their food, you know. Because you, when you go somewhere, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes the culture is different. The way they make the food is different. I mean, I want to go, I want to go down to Louisiana and try, like, authentic gumbo, you know. I mean, I've had gumbo, and I, I might be just as good here. I don't know. I won't ever know until I go down there and try it. You know what I mean? But I want you to get this because, listen, I, I, I just told you I, I was willing to travel like, uh, like 150 miles uh, to, to go and, and eat. I mean, sometimes from, from my house, I'll go to Bowling Green to eat at Shogun's, you know. I like Shogun's. I like sushi. Um, I know. Some of y'all look at me weird like, mm, you don't know about no sushi. Negative. No, sir. I got some sushi lovers in the house. Anybody? Yes. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all are sanctified. Um, <laughs> I, do lo I, I do like sushi, and I, I love hibachi. I love all those things. And, and you know, sometimes my wife and I, will go on a date just, to, just for that. And, but I want you to understand something here. Right off the get-go of who the Queen of Sheba, when it says she came and she heard, because she heard. Now, there, there's, there's two places that, that, that scholars believe that, that the Queen of Sheba probably came from. She either came from Yemen or she came from Ethiopia. The people of Ethiopia literally still to this day, they, they hold fast to this ideal that the Queen of Sheba, like we get our roots from the Queen of Sheba. They hold fast to that. But, I, but here's what I really want you to understand is that's about a 1,500-mile trip. Now, I'm going to be real with you guys. I don't know that I've ever driven 1,500 miles just to go somewhere for a vacation. The closest I'm, I'm, I might have been is we went to Florida once, and I don't, I'm pretty positive that's not 1,500 miles. I looked this up on a map. To drive 1,500 miles... You can go all the way down to Mexico. You can go up to Canada. You can go over to Las Vegas. That's 1,500 miles. 
One way. And that's by a car, for goodness sakes. Or an airplane. We went down to Orange Beach, Alabama and drove nine hours. That's nowhere near 1,500 miles. This woman, a queen of this other nation, 1,500 miles away, had heard about Solomon. Had heard about how wise he was, heard about how all the, how, how, the, how the Lord had been working in his life. And she had questions. It was so important to her, she takes this giant caravan of people and, and, and all this royal caravan and all these things, and she begins this trek. 1,500 miles she traveled. Adrian Rogers said this one time, he said, he said, if your faith can't get you to church, it probably won't get you to heaven. This woman had such a curiosity, desire to seek what, was God, what God was doing in this place. She went 1,500 miles on the back of horse, camel. Would have had to have costed her an exorbitant amount of money. Yet she went. How far would you go? How far would you go to save your marriage? How far would you go to save your kids? How far would you go to be set free from addiction? How far would you go to be set free from anger? How far would you go? She came with a hunger. Hunger and a desire. And I just wonder sometimes if we're hungry. I mean, sometimes, listen... <laughs> I'm not talking about food hunger. Sometimes I can think about uh, like a certain type of food and like, man, my mouth water. I work, so, so what, I, I've kind of told you a little bit about what I do for a living. I drive a lot. I do. And, and it's pretty neat sometimes how I can go nearly all day sometimes without eating until I drive past the restaurant and I smell the food. Anybody else ever do that? Like they, they're not hungry until they smell it. It's like, oh, man, now I'm kind of hungry. I wasn't hungry before, but eh, I, could, I could probably eat a bite now. I went to this seminar yesterday, and um, it was a jiu-jitsu seminar, and, um, I mean, we were worn out. I was hot, sweaty, miserable. Like, I didn't feel like eating anything. And then I smelled food on the way home, and I was like, oh, kind of getting a little hungry. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, but I'm not talking about that. It, it, we sometimes, we have, we suppress our hunger for God. And other people don't really get hungry for God because they don't hear about it. They don't see it. I'm still, I'm just blown away that 1,500 miles away, and we're not talking about this. This woman could not pull up her phone and, and watch the latest news clipping on the Internet. She, she, you know, there was not newspapers delivered back then. This, she heard about this 
from 1,500 miles away. And she came. And so she came to Jerusalem, and she brings this very large caravan of people. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him all that was in her heart. She had questions. Now listen, these difficult questions that she had, she probably, first of all, she probably did come and, uh, and wanted to test him a little bit. But as he began to pass the test, she, she starts having all these other questions in her heart that she just, she has to get out. She has to figure out what's going on. And Solomon answered all of her questions. And you guys have to understand this point of period that we're at, we're at the height of Solomon's reign. The temple has been built. I mean, we're at the absolute height of it all. And he's probably as rich as he's ever going to be around this point in time. And God is fulfilling the promise that he said he would fulfill. Which, by the way, if you don't know, that's what God does. God makes a promise. He fulfills it. We got a great hope, sister. We got a promise. Those that we've lost, if they knew the Lord, it wasn't good. It wasn't goodbyes. I'll I'll see you later. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. I wish I could figure that out with my wife. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I can pick on her. She's not here now. Not that I would stop if she was here. Um, But Solomon, he, he's like a foreshadow. He's a type of, of, of who Jesus is. And, and Sheba is this Jesus' foretype shadow of, of the Gentiles and who we are and who we should be even as a church. Solomon had all this wisdom and everything that she brought, any, any, any question that someone brought to him, he knew the answer. But now it's been flipped because it was not just that Solomon has all the answers. The truth is we have all the answers and we don't even act like we know them. We've got all the truth in front of us all the time and we act like we don't even know where to go to to find it at. I I was listening to this podcast the other day and it how how the Bible is so respected amongst archaeologists because, you know, up until like 2012, there was a lot of debate if, if Queen Sheba even existed. In 2012, guess what? They, they, found, they, found, they found this giant cave system right where she should have been, all the stuff that would have pointed right to who she was. They found it, it was a cave, it wasn't just a cave, cave system, it was full of gold and spices, all what they were a dealer of at the time. We've got the truth. Matter of fact, and, but the, and the thing is, most of us don't even ask for it. If you look in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, hey, if you'll just ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. I don't know what to do. Well, ask God. I don't know where to go. Ask God. And the problem is sometimes we ask God, and because we don't hear from him as quick as we want to hear, we just go about it on our own way anyway. 
Ephesians 3.10 says the manifold wisdom of God had been given to the church. So we got Queen Sheba, and she, she, she perceives all this wisdom. She sees the house that he built, the food, his table, his servants, the attendants, the waiters, the retirers, his cupbearers, the, the stairway when she went up to the house of the Lord. There, and it says there was no more spirit in her. That word spirit literally means there just wasn't no more breath in her. We're talking about a royal prince, a royal queen who had, she knew about royalty. She was rich beyond a, a measure and she had seen it all and she shows up and she sees this place and she's, The word spirit literally just means like her breath was just gone. She had no words. And she's blown away. She saw this place and all this grandeur. She had her breath taken away. And then she said to the king, it was true. It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. And nevertheless... I didn't believe the reports. Think about this for a minute. Even, even everything that she showed up with, all those things that she showed up with, she was still a skeptic. Can I tell you something? I think sometimes we live like Queen Sheba does. We live this like skeptic life and we, we bring all these things that we think that we're going to need and we try to do all the things we, we should do. We don't really believe that we're going to get where we, what God says we're going to get. We hear the reports. Matter of fact, we've seen God's goodness in our life. I challenge people all the time. Hey, how, how about this? How about if you have a prayer, like you, if you, what you should do. All right, so, so follow me here, guys. What you should do, instead of, instead of like just praying, would you write your prayers down? People that you're praying for, situations you're praying for, write them down. Take them, put them up on like a, a little board. Just put them right there. Keep praying for them. And then when God answers those prayers, take them down off the board and just stick them somewhere. Just put them in a jar, put them in a folder. I don't care where you put them. And I dare you about a year later to go back and look how God's moved in your life. Look how God's moved in the life of the people you've prayed for. I've been, I've been coming here now for a little while, and I keep looking at this thing right here, and, and I don't know what the story is behind it, but I just see that no one's initials are on it, and I'm just telling you, it's kind of breaking my heart. Because I know, I know you've got to know lost people. I know you have to know prodigals. You know anyone... And, and I don't know, if may, maybe there's a reason you guys haven't started putting initials on there. I don't know. But, like, why aren't we writing their names down? Why aren't we praying specifically for them? Why aren't you letting the church, your church family pray specifically for them? I don't know. She looks and she says, 
How blessed are your men. How blessed are your servants who stand before you continually hear your wisdom. She, she starts seeing all that God can do. And she says, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, who set you on the throne of Israel. I, I, can, I can tell you this by archaeological finds. They, they, worshipped this, they worshipped what they called the moon god in that area. But she shows up and she is absolute, has her breath taken away by seeing all that God is doing through the life of Solomon, through the life of the people of Israel. And, she, and then she, instead of, blessed be my God, no, it's blessed be the Lord your God. Suddenly she wanted to see, she wanted, to, she wanted what Solomon had. She wanted what Solomon had. Church, the people see us and want what we have. And I'm not talking about all the materialistic stuff. And Matthew 12, 42, Jesus is sitting before the Pharisees. And he looks at them and he says, Woe to you. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. Woe to you. He's the queen of the south. And he's referencing Sheba will rise on judgment day and will judge you. Because, you see, Sheba, she was a seeker and seeking after what God, seeking after God, this God she heard about. And so she traveled 1,500 miles. She sacrificed and, and went and, and, and just brought her best. And, and like she, 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 she went as a skeptic. She's like, it's probably not even real. And she's willing to go. There's far too many of us that aren't willing to go. There's far too many of us that aren't willing to do. She gave the king 120 talents of gold. Because my mind works this way, I have to do the math. Today's dollar amount, she gave him $257 million worth of gold. More spices than had ever been given there. Spices were, man, they were a commodity. They were a treasure to have. We have this little, verse 11 and 12, talks about how there is this more stuff being brought in, but you go down to verse 13. King Solomon gave to Queen Sheba all of her desire, which she requested. I told you that Solomon... It was like a four, like this foreshadow. He's a foretype of who Jesus is, right? He had all the answers. Solomon had all the answers. What's ironic, though, is that we see that Solomon did the same thing that man's done throughout all of history. Got a whole lot and ended up corrupt through it all. But now we have Jesus who lived a perfect, sinless life. For me, for you, every one of us. He's got all the answers. He's got everything that you need. Your heart's desire. 
Because I could promise you, no matter what you gain materialistically, no matter what you gain physically, you will still find yourself feeling empty if that's what you're looking to for fulfillment. I promise. It doesn't matter how much you gain, you'll still find yourself, man, if I just had a little bit more. I remember a day in my life where I used to say, man, I, I, I can still remember this being very young and thinking, man, if I could just earn this much a year. And now I still find myself going, I can still use some more. You'll never find fulfillment. You'll never find your heart's desires searching after the world. But Jesus, man, we have all the answers right here, and it's available to you this morning.